Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Welcome to Wood Talk. For woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 333 for November 7th, 2016. Today is bound to be an interesting show. I've got a wife <laughs> behind me. I've got my mom and stepdad running back and forth. There's a baby crying in the other room and dogs barking. It's going to be a good two one. other yahoos on the line with you. Two other yahoos that ruin every show. You guys are just like a regular thing. Screw it up yeah, all the time. Regular ruiners. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you know, aside from I all, found my skill in life. All right, step off. <laughs> right. Got to be good at something, <laughs> I guess. Uh, on today's show, we're talking about using a frame and panel door for a tool chest, uh, fixing an orange peel lacquer finish, and thin piece kickback. And I also want to mention that today's show is sponsored by Brusso Hardware. Brusso provides high-quality American-made woodworking hardware for furniture, cabinets, boxes, and more. Wood Talk listeners can use coupon code WOODTALK, it's all one word, for 10% off your first order at brusso.com. And we've got some folks to thank who helped us out with generous donations through Patreon or even just PayPal, like Vadim Cooper did. Cooper? He knows I'm going to mess up his name. He knows it for sure. Uh, and then on Patreon, we had Larry Spitz, Paul Williams, Ross Corindia, Dennis Eastman, uh, Chris Shrimpton, our good buddy Vic Hubbard, uh, Chris Berklin, Chap Lovejoy, and Jeff uh, Albrickson. Yeah, I got that right. Albrickson. So thank you so much, folks. And if you want your name right off here at the beginning of the show, just like we did for those fine folks, you can go over to patreon.com slash woodtalk and uh, set up a little thing, get a little reward. We appreciate your support. That's always very helpful and allows us to do some cool things like the weekend show, which we kicked off last week and uh, nobody applauded for it, which was great. So I guess it wasn't that uh, wasn't that great. Uh, no, actually, last week we had a lot of fun doing it, and I think the the response so far has been good. Had one complaint: one person was not happy that we didn't talk specifically about woodworking, but we're gonna just we're gonna power through, guys. <laughs> we're gonna move forward. So keep on yakking. Yeah, we're just gonna keep on yakking, and uh, Nicole says we're, we'll bring them around eventually. Um, but let's yeah. see. So yeah, other than that, about knitting and crocheting and meatloaf. Yeah, who doesn't want to discuss meatloaf recipes, right? I mean, I would, certainly. <laughs> Nicole's got a fantastic meatloaf recipe, if you guys want to hear it someday. I think she does. So the problem is, though, is then we don't get to taste it. Like, that's the beauty of cooking shows. Like, you stand by and listen to all that just so you get to taste it at the end. If we just talk about it and then watch Mark eat it, 
That's just going to make me mad. Yeah. Well, let's start a new Patreon angry level. and grumpy. <laughs> oh, Patreon level where we all get together and eat meatloaf. What do you think? Uh, show. Either that or at least barbecue. I mean, I can, I can get behind a barbecue thing. Barbecue. Well, no, that's a different level. There's the meatloaf level and then the barbecue level. <laughs> that's right. And yeah. the homemade mac and cheese level. You when, know, you when's gotta, the vegan level? Can we do that? Ooh. That sounds like it would about, be no fun. How about no? <laughs> all right. So let's get to what's on the bench. For me, clearly nothing. Because I don't have a bench, and uh, my bench looks like an old desk that I made ten years ago, which is exactly what it is. Uh, the only thing I did woodworker woodworky carve your name into it. Uh, no, I, I but I did inlay a giant leaf that's like mm. so much bigger than it should be. It's it's kind of stupid. It's it's like twelve by twelve square with a giant leaf inlay. Let's <laughs> take a picture of it sometimes because it, it is kind of neat. It's just very it's a little overdone, like. I didn't really have a, a sort of an eye for any kind of like aesthetic and proportion at the time. <laughs> so I was like, you know, what would be great here. A giant leaf, <laughs> like literally larger than any physical leaf, unless it's like a banana tree could ever be. So, but yeah, at the time I'm like, Hey, this looks great. Um, I but see in like a banana. That'd be fun. Ooh, that'd be great. Um, all right. So the only thing I did really woodworking like was actually stepping into someone else's woodworking shop. So for our Friday live show last week, I went to my buddy Scott's, Scott's shop who, um, you know, he's actually come to my shop a ton of times. I've never been to his. So this was really cool. So he's got a, a shop in an RV garage. It's roughly a thousand square feet, maybe a little bit over a thousand. And it's very, you know, long and narrow with the doors at the front and the back for RV pull through. Uh, but it is a good amount of space. And what was cool about it is seeing how he laid out everything in that location. Cause he's got a lot of the same tools. I do uh, same brand even in some cases and seeing how he lay that out gives me a little bit of insight into what I might do with my shop. Because although mine has doors on one long wall, you know, like a regular garage, it's not an RV pull through the dimensions are kind of roughly the same. It's about a thousand square feet and about the same, you know, side to side depth and front to back depth. So I'm like, all right, well, let me just take a couple pictures and make sure I've got at least a starting point to think like, okay, this is efficient for him. Let me see if this works for me and then kind of make some changes from there. So, so that was good. It was a fun live show. He's got a really awesome backdrop for, for where he does his recording from. It looks like, um, like a New York improv comedy club or something with the brick on the wall and, you know, wall sconces and everything. Like it just looks like a New York street type of thing. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Like I, it's definitely, um, eye catching, you know, it's, and I guess it's not very wood like, I guess he doesn't have much in the way of tools on the wall or anything, but it's certainly eye catching. It looks really, really cool. So had a lot of fun, got to smell some sawdust that someone else made and then went home after that. So, uh, but we leave on, um, we leave on Friday, we hop in the truck and, uh, from that point on, it's going to be like a mad dash to try to get a garage into some sort of functional space, you know, hopefully before it gets too damn cold. So we'll see what happens. It'd be interesting. It is. It is electrical first. And then from that point, maybe I'll have some functional tools and probably want to uh, just make sure the front, the, the doors are kind of blocked in. So maybe I'll be putting up some partitions and walls and then I'll worry about flooring and stuff like that. But again, heater, got to get that heater in there just so I could be comfortable. But I don't know. We'll see. It, it should be quite an adventure, but I'm, I'm excited. So um, I don't know. I feel like I'm tuning into like reruns of the Wood Whisperer. <laughs> oh, Mark's moving, setting up shop. We've all done this before. <laughs> when did this go into syndication? I don't know. <laughs> it's just a repeat. You know, the good thing is I get paid for the uh, for the repeats too. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm good with it. <laughs> oh, but anyway, Shannon, what you got going on? Um, I'm uh, 
I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm playing with uh, Japanese joinery. It's kind really? of fun. Um, like <laughs> I do this. Yeah, like I I pull down a Japanese temple, like broke it down, and, <laughs> and <laughs> meanwhile have a series, a, a whole like line of monks lining outside my door to beat me up. Yeah. No, I um I do this thing in um apprenticeship at the hand tool school. Where we do these little challenges, and the whole idea is just kind of break down uh, very specific skills and just do kind of silly little projects that allow you to focus on the skill. But the whole idea is to kind of get in and out in like 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nobody, nobody has enough time in the shop, you know, everybody wishes they had a little bit more time. So this was just an opportunity to get people in there. So we're, we're building a square and I decided, you know, let's not just build a square with like a bridal joint. Let's make it funky and do like crazy Japanese temple joinery with the whole idea of, you know, complex joiner is really just a series of simple joints combined together. You know, it's a dovetail and a bridal joint or it's a dovetailed bridal joint or, you know, it's just the basic joiner. And it all comes down to really laying it out and figuring out the process. You know, which, which cut do I make first? Because a lot of this really crazy Japanese joinery is, you know, if you cut, make this cut first and then suddenly you cut off the part that you needed for the second cut. So it's kind of fun when you really break it down into the base elements uh, it's not really as intimidating as you think it would be so i purposely oh. chose like stupid ridiculous like how is that even possible to go together type joint and found out that it really wasn't that hard to put wow. together and the first one i did you know came out it was a little gappy here and there but second one was uh that much tighter so yeah it's a lot of fun it's just kind of a neat exercise to play with nice hmm. sounds like a good challenge couldn't tell you what the joint is called. Wouldn't be able to pronounce it if I did. Just make it up. We have no idea. So yeah, no one, would, no one would be able Ichiban to call you on it. Benihana style <laughs> California roll. There you go. That's that's perfect. Nigiri Unagi. Keep going down that path. Wasabi. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well, what about you, oh, Matt? I'm hungry. I've got some, I got a mad hunger now for some sushi. That's what's sushi, going on. Sushi, baby. <laughs> oh, man. I'm working on this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, this thing I'm working on. It's uh, uh, tell me it's about a bandsaw it. mill. It's uh, it's pretty oh. sweet. That sounds unique <laughs> wow. and new. Yeah. And that's the thing I just started last week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm actually getting to the point where it's going to start looking like uh, an actual bandsaw mill really, really soon here this week. I should have um, the drive wheel up there and I'll have two wheels. That means I can put a blade on it and just look at it with the blade on it. Because they won't be able to do anything yet. Yeah. But that's um, it's like to that point where like any project where you get to like a certain point, you're like, I am so close to the end, but you, you're not really all that close. But like you can really see the end. You can smell it. You can smell it. Smells yeah. good. That's smells awesome. Good. Spirit. So you're gonna you're gonna get that thing uh, ready to roll, and I'm not like I'm not gonna catch any of it because I'm gonna be in house moving <laughs> sort of hell for probably a good week and I'll, I'll come out and emerge from that darkness and I will see a beautiful finished bandsaw mill, hopefully cutting logs. You probably will. That's actually what's going to happen. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Good man. That's awesome. Can't wait to see it come together. I Me think too. I've been, and I've been so saying that for months. The internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all been saying that for quite some time. <laughs> we're all waiting with bated breath. I think so. Is this actually going to work? Uh, That's actually we'll what we're waiting to see is like, it's going to be the most embarrassing experiment ever. <laughs> yeah. All this buildup and well, it doesn't even work. I think what the funny thing is last week, it was the last week or on the weekend show or something. Mark, you asked me like, if there's something that could like derail it completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that was, but anyway, so 
I had sort of a somewhat derailment this week, so I decided to use um, three-quarter inch bolts, fine thread, to mount the bearings for the uh, drive shaft to the sawmill. I'm like, oh, that would be a problem. So at first, I couldn't find that size tap locally, so I'm like, oh, Amazon, cool. I'm like, yeah, I can go find the bolt some other day. Mm -hmm. They don't sell that kind of bolt, that size bolt anywhere. So I'm like, okay, uh, Amazon that as well. So instead of like installing the drive shaft last Friday, I won't be doing it until tomorrow. So, I mean, uh, I got like a three or four day setback. Gotcha. So, so not a complete derailment, just a delay. Yeah, I had to switch gears. Yeah. I'm playing with electricity now. Right. Nice. Getting the motor figured out. Well, cool. Sounds good. So, uh, let's see. We got a couple things in what's new here. Stuff that you guys actually sent in. This one is from Shane. He says, just another wooden hand plane build video. Maybe with a slight difference. Uh, great little build video and not just any hand plane. It's one that looks like a car, not just any car, oh, but like, yeah. like a little roadster and yeah, <laughs> great detail guys. You know, we talked about this earlier. Guys got a great accent. It's Australian. And, uh, just the detail on this thing is fantastic. I mean, it does have that like classic car toy look to it, but it's a functional hand plane, you know? So, uh, he put lots of details. You know, in did it he and, say where he got that blade? Cause look at the size of that thing. Yeah, it's I like kind of skimmed the a video. Half an inch so I didn't, thick or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, he may have, but I, I didn't uh, watch that part completely. Um, but you definitely want to give it some time. Give the guy a thumbs up because it's a, a really good project. Looks nice. I like it. It cuts well too. Did you watch the other video? No, the follow up it? one where he's using it. Yeah. I didn't see that one. Oh, yeah, performs well. Huh? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here and watch his wispy shavings just flying <laughs> off his board. Nice. Uh, uh, actually, speaking of, the- of wispy shavings, this weekend on uh, on Facebook. So I don't know if anyone follows the three of us, but Shannon posts a, a bucket full of shaving oh, yeah. and then Matt's comment <laughs> is like more sawing, less planing. <laughs> That's what he said, which is, uh, it's got the classic like Shannon response to something. <laughs> yep. Very, Just very take a true, thicker yeah. shaving. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. It was it was mostly thick shavings. I just love the fact that my trash can still has the tooth marks of, you know, a previous dog on it. You right. Know, that's all how of my know. stuff in my shop has been eaten up by Alex. Yeah. That's, that's how you know it's a, it's a good garbage can. It sticks around for a while. Yeah. It it actually works really well. It's it's a good design because when you go to empty the trash, mm-hmm. the um you just hook the trash bag onto like the torn parts that the dog ate yeah and you know you can just empty it with one hand because it just like hooks it's got on a nice that. grip yeah there you go yeah very nice well tomaso um shared this uh kickstarter campaign he actually ran across it originally on facebook it's a, a desktop water jet cutter from Wazer, and not only did they meet their kickstarter goal they did it like big time like 15 times over yeah, something like way that overfunded. It's amazing. Yeah. So they're going into production and this thing's just cool. Like water jets in general are just fun. Cause it's like, it's water. Like you can relate to water, you know, laser cutter. I don't know. You know, that sounds very sci-fi, but this is water and it's just so cool. Cause you know, of course it's their Kickstarter video. So it's gotta be, you know, cool to show all the different stuff they do, but like they make tile, they make a chain ring on a freaking bicycle mm-hmm. with it. It's just, it's such a cool thing to see. And, uh, just it's right on your desktop. Well, while it's like something out of 2001, a space odyssey. Yeah. So <laughs> water is a relatable material, certainly, but the concept of a stream of water being able to cut metal, <laughs> like with this level of precision, I've seen these water jet cutters before, so it's not like it's something new, but every time I watch it, I'm like, 
you would almost think like, oh, this is just water. And someone would go, oh, so it probably doesn't hurt, right? And then it's just like, you know what I mean? Like it's a jet of water. It's so hard to believe that that can cut through hard objects as well as it does. Well, if you use a pressure washer with like that little pinpoint nozzle, yeah. one, you can like that could really do some screw damage. something up pretty quickly with that nozzle. I don't know what you even use that nozzle for. It's like the <laughs> laser water, water laser of death. Pressure uh, your enemies nozzle. apparently is what you use it for. Put a right. little hole through someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty pretty amazing watching that stuff. Uh, cool. All right, so let's get into our kickback. And I uh, only got a couple of them here for you. First one is uh, just a quick question from Johnny V. He says, so guys, why doesn't Matt version 2 have a description on the about page of woodtalkshow.com? Just wondering why. You want to answer that, Matt? Because I never sent it to Mark when there he asked go. me in January. <laughs> That's the reason why. See, a lot of people think like, like when the headers aren't changed or like the banner on our Facebook page is delayed, that is my fault, right? But this, this one's not. I asked him for it a couple times now. So whenever should he's we, ready. Just go with the, the other answer is you should already know everything about me. Yes, exactly. Just <laughs> I should just say go to macromona.com. Uh, so yeah, we, I blame I Matt. send that to you. And I think is, I wrote that at some point and never sent it to you. I'll find it. it like just copy and paste it from your about page or something. Like <laughs> I, sh- I, you know, then again, I could have done that, but this that's is true. Gonna say, it's um, basically hmm. like a, pr- a point of principle now. And that's, that's the only reason this is taking so long. Ah, I was so you close to make it a year without a profile on there. Oh, oh, that's true. We're coming up on your year, aren't we? Oh Yeah. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, because we started first of the year. Uh, Matt's uh, Matt V's last show was December. So, yeah, wow. Here we go. Your one-year anniversary. I was, I was a guest almost a year ago. I think it was in November last year. Yeah, that that was your audition. That's awesome. Yeah, you didn't well, tell me. You almost, got, you almost got the hang of this thing, man. So, uh, we'll get there. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. Another so, the uh, other piece of kickback here is from Steven. He says, howdy, folks. Uh, I love the show, but last week... Y'all said something that really concerned me with regard to workbench cost uh, last week. I think y'all, I'm, I have trouble reading anything that has the word y'all in it. Not very good <laughs> at it. Uh, I think y'all use guys. It means use, use guys. Oh, <laughs> now I understand. Okay. Let me, can I think I, use guys way overestimated. There you go. I'll just substitute that in there. Um, we overestimated in a way that could help discourage folks from getting into the craft. You quoted maple and ash prices for a Rubo bench kit. While a maple or ash bench can be great, cheap pine can create just as functional of a bench at a huge fraction of the cost. My mini Rubo is four foot long and costs approximately $100 in lumber uh, from the big box store. The top is eight pieces of SPF 4x4 laminated and the undercarriage is pressure treated 6x6 for the legs, pressure treated 4x4 for the stretchers. While not a beauty, it is just as functional as one from nicer materials. A full-size Rubo of these materials would be less than $200. This is a much more approachable cost for many. So very valid point there, Stephen. Thank you very much for that. Except, Uh kickback to the kickback. Here we go. I went back and listened to that episode and we started our conversation with Matt said, well, you know, there's so many variables in this. It could be anything. And I said something like, yeah, anywhere between $5 and $500. (laughs) Right. And Matt said, well, no, actually $0 because my bench cost nothing. Right. So (laughs) just saying that is a very Uh, valid counterpoint. Steven, what's wrong with you? Did you listen to the show? Well, I I just say this because I preach this to my students all the time. Like, who cares what species it is? Go buy pine, spend a hundred bucks or whatever on pine at the big box store and build a workbench. So I was actually really like upset with myself that we did this. So I had to go back and listen. So 
You know, the well, funny thing is the show was last week and I just take his word for it. Like I don't <laughs> verify what we said. Sure. I'm like, I, I guess about. that sounds like something we would have said. <laughs> but no, that's, that sounds it, like something. Yeah. It's a valid point, And I didn't think we had any specific, you know, case studies to give them as, as far as numbers go. And Steven had a few that would work as, as good examples. But I think a He's default. Right. We talked about maple and ash because I did. used ash on mine. Mark, yep. you used maple on yours. So sure. Yeah. And a default answer for this, whenever it comes to workbenches, is simply whatever wood you can get a lot of for a very small amount of money. Like, mm-hmm. that's your best wood to pick. And whether that's anywhere from free to cheap, go for it. And if you have the money and the budget and you want maple and ash, then here's what it's going to cost. So, yeah. Thanks. I usually just tell people, I just give them Chris Schwartz's email address. Because <laughs> he's probably never going to get uh, all right, so let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Bruso, for sponsoring the show. And, uh, you know, Bruso has been on my mind lately. I've got Bruso on the mind, boys, because... Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh-oh. And I've actually got my uh, my clock. It's, it's Nicole left the room. That's good. Yeah, I don't want to make her jealous, but sometimes <laughs> when I see a nice hinge, a nice piece of hardware, I will snuggle up to it, give it a little... That's a nice piece of hinge right <laughs> yeah, there. Look at that. Sometimes I'll... I'll I'll hold it in one hand or both hands and rub it up against my cheeks. Open it and close in the leaves. Open it slowly. Close it slowly. You know, give it a little kiss, a little nuzzle. Uh, so yeah, Bruso Hardware makes hardware that you kind of want to make love to. Did I just say that? Yes, it did. Wow. I yeah, went Mark there. has gone off script on the roll. <laughs> well, listen, lately, not having a shop, the things I've been posting online, I've been getting a lot of crap for saying that this you you, you must be going a little bit crazy now that you don't have a shop given the content of your social media post. Uh, yeah, I kind of am. But either way, I do have to say, Bruso, really, uh, as always, you hear us talk about this week in and week out about how great their hardware is. And this is not just uh, them, you know, paying us to say these things. I use Bruso well before they even gave a crap about who, who I was uh, just because they are always the best. You know, there's now here's the thing. They don't have like the kind of, I don't know, what, what would you call this? Like you go to some hardware stores or, or places that specialize in hardware and they have 150 different varieties of like things that you could possibly choose. What I actually like about their website is the fact that you can go there and you can very quickly find what you're looking for because they don't make this like giant catalog of stuff. They just, what they make, they make really well. They have a couple of varieties that fit your needs. They've got anything from the butt hinges to the beautiful hinges with the balls. You know what I mean? The hinges with the balls on the, the, the barrel. What do you call mm. those? Like finial type things, ball hinges, ball things. Uh, they've got those, you know. So you can kind of you can kind of find what you're looking for, and you can find it very easily. And the the site's super easy to navigate. Uh, but the hardware will just knock your socks off. It's always good stuff. I just put some in the uh, the, the 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 grandfather clock dealy whacker, which is now wrapped in a furniture blanket, waiting to go to its new home. And uh, and it turned out great. And I don't know if I mentioned this previously on the show, but I did actually give them a little special finish. I took that brass and I aged it and made it look uh, old and uh, kind of fits the piece a little bit better, but it came out great, you know, because these are just high quality hinges that can sustain, you know, that sort of treatment without having anything bad happen to them. They just installed perfectly. So just want to thank Russo for helping us out. They've supported us for a long time and we like to support them too. So if you want to uh, go check out their website, use the code WoodTalk for 10% off your first order at Brusso.com. Thanks very much, Brusso. Appreciate it. Uh, we did have some voicemails, but I've got a weird computer set up here and I can't see exactly what's going on over there. So we'll save those voicemails for a future show. How about that? Sure. Okay. 
I'll make Whatever. it. Unilater- I don't care what you guys say. I'm doing it. So I'm just, I'm, I just follow along. It's a unilateral yeah. decision, my friend. Until you drink your water, I'm quiet. Hold on. <laughs> Here we go. I just know that no matter what I say, doesn't make a difference. So I just, yeah. I just don't. Yeah, out. I've already set my destination, and I'm halfway there. <laughs> Uh, okay, so got an email question here from Vadim, who was one of our uh, sponsors at the, the beginning of the show, actually. He says, I am building a hand tool cabinet. The doors are essentially shallow dovetailed boxes with a frame and panel front. Doors on Shannon's tool cabinet seem to be constructed in a similar way. Uh, what's the best way to attach a frame and panel front to the other part of the door, the shallow dovetailed box? Simply glue it on top, rabbit it in. Okay, so there's a couple ways that you could probably approach this. Uh, first of all, one is that you, I don't think at this point it sounds like it might be too late to do, but if I were doing sort of a frame and panel front like that, I would not have made those separate things, right? I would have actually just put the panel into this dovetailed frame. So before you pop those dovetails in, cut yourself some nice grooves around the inside perimeter and make that your frame and panel structure. Uh, Cause now he's got basically a frame and panel door and this other thing he wants to glue it to, which I think just complicates it. I think he could have done it all in one piece. Uh, but since he's probably already past that point, I would say rabbits probably would be the best bet there. Um, but you have a choice. Do you rabbit the dovetailed frame and set your door <laughs> inside that rabbit? Or do you rabbit the frame of the frame and panel door and then set that over top of that dovetailed you know, mini box? I think personally it's going to look better if you put your rabbit on the door and this way it overlays and covers. So from the front, you still see that solid, beautiful frame and panel door that's totally uninterrupted. When you turn it to the side or look above or below, that's when you're going to see that line for your rabbit. Um, but I think it should be a little more forgiving this way as well. But you should just be able to rabbit it in, drop it in place, a little bit of glue. And I think that's going to work uh, just fine for you as a sort of after the fact installation. But again, if you have, you know, the option, I'd say just put the grooves in that step that dovetailed piece and make that where your panel lives. Um, so he said, Shannon, you have something similar. Did you yes. have a solution for this or what, um, did, what did you do? Yeah. It's a uh, long grain to long grain. Just glue it. Right. <laughs> it's your, your frame and panel setup. Now I did this and, and I agree with you, Mark, just put a groove on the inside. I don't think that looked as cool. Um, when I was designing my cabinet, I played with that originally mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, I wanted a, a thicker reveal. I wanted a wider face frame. Right. On That's that, true. On visually, that visually, it's very different <laughs> if you do that. Also, I was designing the cabinet to use like every single joint in semester one of the hand tool school. Right. <laughs> and I needed to figure out a way to use a miter and I hadn't used any miters at all. So go. I created a mitered half lap frame, frame and panel. Um, so in that particular instance, I had long grain to long grain. There wasn't even any cross grain on the rails and styles. Mm-hmm. You know how the, the style will run all the way to the top, all the way to the bottom. So you've got that tiny little bit of cross grain. This was a miter at the corner. And I'm looking at the clamshell, the, the dovetail part underneath it, and it's dovetail. So it's all long grain. So I literally just slathered glue on the little dovetail clamshell, stuck it on, and clamped it. And I was, I was good to go. Nice. And that actually gave me a little bit more depth in my clamshell door. Cause the whole reason it did that was for storage. You know, the, the depth right. was to, yeah, you eat up some of that depth so. if you do a rabbit. So you got at a rabbit, you know, you could do an eighth inch deep rabbit and you'd be fine. Um, mm-hmm. it will give you a little bit of a, of a tooth, I guess, while you're gluing it up like that mechanical nature. But yeah, I just found that it was kind of silly at that point. Cause it was all long grain. There you go. Okay. So there you go. That's just a glue. Real world experience. <laughs> uh, cool. Cool. Who's next? 
Take a drink. I'm waiting for oh. my cue. Hold on. Let's go. <laughs> Hold up. Come on. <laughs> it's like your first show or something. Come on. Pavlov needs you to take a drink. I'm over sorry. There. I'm new here. We need, just need an electrical <laughs> shock button or something. I think that would all be right, faster. Pavlov. Pavlov's dog. Everybody gives the Pavlov credit. And the dog <laughs> did all the work. Yeah, the dog is really the one who's responsible. <laughs> all right. Oh. Wood Talk listeners, what was the name of Pavlov's dog? Somebody write in and, and answer that. I know I could Google it, but. Kenny. We just want to know if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to read the question now. Uh, go, man. Okay. All right. Only interrupt once more. <laughs> oh, this is from Brian. He says, I was breaking down a piece of ply with a circular saw and found myself with a large piece about four feet by three feet, and I need to take off just a quarter inch to get it down to final dimension. I set the fence on my table saw to a quarter inch and ran it through. When the piece cut free, it caught the blade and flew across my shop. I had the splitter installed. I'm trying to figure out what the safest way to do this, do this would have been. I was unable to run the piece on the right side of the blade as I don't have the fence capacity. I supported on the left and pushed from the corner to keep the piece straight. Should I have used a scrap clamp to the front of the fence, but how would I keep a large piece of reference when pushing it through? From the position I was in, I could not use a gripper, but uh, maybe I should have repositioned at the end of the cut and pushed it through with one. This may be an issue with the table saw not being the right choice to do this safely, but I wanted to hear from your experience if there's a better way. Thanks, Matt, Mark, and Shannon, and I'm a big fan of the show. So, cool. yeah, that's that's a little thin piece between the blade and the fence is definitely going to come back at you uh, pretty much regardless if you have a... It might stay there if you have a splitter or riving knife in there, but those teeth rubbing along the side of it's going to kind of pull it forward and it's going to kind of increase its momentum as it goes. Um, I think this really comes down to technique. As you're pushing that piece through the saw, what I would do is I would start out in the corn like you were doing, but as you kind of get towards the end of the cut, I would reposition my body so I'm in front of it, so I'm able to actually push that strip through the blade or past the blade or both sides past the blade so that neither of them are in contact with the blade. Otherwise, if you do that, stand out of the way because it's coming right back at you. Coming back at you. If you can't move, I mean, just make sure there's no one standing behind you and you know what's going to happen. Let it happen, but probably not that's like a last kind of resort kind of thing I've done, which i've done but yeah. you know you know what's gonna happen this Come is back. one of those like red flag cuts there are a few cuts at certain tools that if you like after you spend enough time around them you just go this you know is probably not <laughs> a good idea not gonna go well <laughs> yeah and cutting like if you need to remove a quarter inch off of a large panel doing it with the fence at the table saw while there may be ways to do it, you can get a certain push stick that might help. And he's talking about the gripper. That's certainly one that might be a candidate. But if you think about the sort of physics of the situation and what that larger piece wants to do as you're pushing things through, it's it's a scary cut. And even at, at this stage, when I kind of know what I would need to do to get the thing through safely, I still probably wouldn't do it. Now, that said, I've got a track saw. And the track saw is what I would actually use to do a cut like this if my table saw didn't have the capacity. But... Yeah, like I immediately look at that and go, you know what? Find another way. Like, sure, you could you could figure something out, but find another way. And it usually will involve either a track saw or a circular saw and a guide uh, that that would just give you a much safer cut. Uh, the quarter inch off of a four foot wide panel, or it's probably thirty six inches that he's got. Uh, I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't know which still, dimension he's a, cutting. It's off still of. a pretty big cut. Either and you're way, have a strip regardless. Yes. Either way, it scares me. And it's best to probably find another way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably a good idea. Just in case anybody was wondering, Pavlov had 40 dogs. What? And 
If you really want to hear Mark stumble over names at the beginning of the show, <laughs> just write in with a donation using one of the 40 names of Pavlov's dog. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm and when you look it up on Quora.com, one of the top related questions is, what are the best Ewok names for dogs? Yes. Oh, okay. That is the that is the world we live in, folks. Nice. I'm into right. that. I'm so, looking for these dog names. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, James wrote in, he said, I, I bought an Erlex HVLP sprayer and attempted to apply lacquer for my very first time. Unfortunately, being the noob that I am, noob. the finish end up with a very orange peel look. Question is, should I level sand this and apply another coat? Or because this is lacquer, can I just spray it again with just lacquer thinner and hope the surface levels itself? So what he's referring to there is lacquer is one of those finishes like shellac that actually chemically burns its way into the previous coat. So you don't have the layers of coats like you do with polyurethane. The thing is, orange peel is going to telegraph through um, unless you, I suppose you could lay another thin coat down and hope that it kind of fills things in, but it's going to take probably quite a few more coats to really fill in. Um, And even then, man, I mean, that could take a really, really long time to hope that it's self levels. So what I recommend based on personal experience, having done this quite a few times, um, you can certainly sand back some of that orange peel um, but what I actually like to do is wet sand and actually use a little bit of lacquer thinner and wet sand back to kind of kill some of that orange peel and give yourself a level surface and then spray again. And that's the real beauty of lacquer and being that it will kind of burn into that previous coat is you're still going to get a really nice looking finish, even though it's like all scuffed up and and powdery and nasty looking. Um you're not going to notice that once you put the next coat on, mm-hmm. but you will definitely have that orange peel telegraph through unless you level that. I'm not saying you couldn't self level it with a lot of lacquer thinner, but that's like 20 more coats probably. So yeah, mm-hmm. that would be my recommendation. Wet sand a little bit to quickly level it and then spray another coat. Cool. Yeah. You know, I would actually at least recommend one coat with a lacquer thinner because if it's really bad, that does work surprisingly well. It will probably save him some work in sanding. It may not be perfect, but it will level it at least a little bit. And then he probably won't have to remove as much material to get it to and then go, some go level. Sand of, after that, exactly. Mean? Yeah, some level of flatness. Yeah, not a bad idea. <clears throat> but it also sounds like he he still needs to fix his problem because once you, that's true. Like once you <laughs> level it, once you level it, you still have to spray more coats and you're going to keep spraying orange peely coats unless you resolve that issue. So, you know, make sure you get that fixed. Good point. Kind of <laughs> neglected that. Well, the orange peel came back, so I got to put another coat on. Another, All right, we'll try another that. coat of lacquer thinner. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think that does it for today's show. You know, let's do a quick bonus thing here. I've got uh, the chat room open. A couple people said hi. And let me see. There's a question here from Tom for Matt. He says, uh, will you be adding a blade guard on your mill? Um, yeah, I'll add one. Okay. There you go, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Says uh, Matt grudgingly. <laughs> well, my wife made me the deal that I wasn't allowed to uh, make it or use it unless there was a blade guard on there. So there you go. You know, cause I got kids coming now. I got a, I got a kid coming. Just you got to think like, about this stuff, man. Have a, you know, child without a father around yeah because he died crazy. making it sound in his backyard that. i'm assuming most commercial models have blade guards right so you've got something to yes, copy. yes. they're, I never they're fully shielded it. just like a shop and saw but the only the only um blades exposed is the cut opening that you have set oh, okay. okay so the wheels are enclosed and so does the the return on the top side is enclosed as well yeah. better safe oh, than yeah. sorry sir 
Yeah, I'm thinking about our horizontal mill at the at the yard, and you're right, the whole top is enclosed. I guess I don't really think about the lower part because it's mm-hmm. we don't adjust it in and out. Right? Yeah, it just, it just runs. This will be just quite a bit, like six feet of cut width. So yeah. oh, probably maybe. rare that I have a whole thing open cutting. Oh, that's crazy, man. Good luck with that. Keep your head down. Um, <laughs> Actually, go, can we go back to the table saw thing for a second? Oh, sure. I'll, I want to make one quick point. that The real issue here is that you should never leave a piece that is cut free between the blade and the fence. Yes. Yeah. doesn't matter if it's a quarter inch, three inches, a foot. Whatever. Right. But what makes this es- issue. what makes this especially bad is that quarter yes. inch is on one side and there's four feet of something on the other side, which exactly. kind of <laughs> limits what you can do to get that quarter inch piece out of that little slot it shouldn't be in. That's that's the real trick with this one. Uh, all right, so we are going to record an email extra right here in a minute for the folks who are uh, $4 patrons and higher, and that's where we pick a question from someone and uh, just kind of hash it out real quick, a little extra content for you. Uh, today we're going to be discussing our our thoughts and processes and things that we do relating to working on a smaller scale. Uh, so if you're used to large-scale projects, what do we do differently when we're working on smaller projects? So if you want to help out, you can go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up there. Excuse me. Burp. Sorry, it's after lunch. Uh, how can you, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it's just a terrible thing. Uh, so that's one cool way to do it. You can also get a Wood Talk t-shirt at TWWstore.com. Those are awesome. We sent a few of those out recently. And uh, you can actually get those at Patreon reward levels. So take a look at that if you're interested in a t-shirt. Uh, might be better off just getting a Patreon setup. Uh, the other thing you could do is go to iTunes, leave us a review, look us up in the iTunes store, click on ratings and reviews, and click that five-star rating, like a lot of people did. Not going to read any today, because I'm being lazy. And Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info, and we'll get out of here. They all have names like Pavlov's dogs. They do. <laughs> David, David Nichols. He put some of those names in the chat room, too. Yeah, absolutely. Which is great. If you have comments, questions, or want to know where to submit your dog's name, you have several ways to contact us. You can leave a voicemail on Skype. Oh. Our username is Talk Online. I hope someone does that. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, favorite Ewok names for dogs, you can leave those at 623-242-5180. Or you can submit your cat's name at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Make sure you use that form specifically for cat names. Um, and then, of course, go to woodtalkshow.com and leave comments on this post and any of the posts there, preferably, you know, ones related to what you're talking about is nice. And yeah, or you can just go to woodwhisper.com, renaissancewoodworker.com and mattcremona.com. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. And guess what? Next time will be for me not here Colorado. Colorado. it'll be broadcasting my, live yes it'll be my first Marcus, colorado recording high on rocky mountain i'm high on uh, uh high altitude are you are you gonna be all set up by then uh internet gets installed on saturday and that's kind of all i need internet and a flat surface <laughs> to set my computer up on in in the, in the dictionary under anarchy is spagnolos without internet oh yes <laughs> That would be very, very bad. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. The Once the internet's up, I mean, granted, I've, there's always variables, right? But if I can do a, a show from here and I could do a show from Scott's shop, I mean, as long as the internet is fairly solid, we'll be good to go. But uh, there are a, lot, a lot has to happen between now and then, so wish me luck. <laughs> we'll see. Good luck. Oh, I was only kidding. You didn't have to do that, Matt. I'm taking it back. You'll get no luck. <laughs> no luck for you. Okay, thanks. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.